0: Welcome to another Comic Source Comic Boom collaboration. Time for another Spawn Daily. We're up to issue number 42 as we celebrate the 30th anniversary of Spawn by reading all of Spawn, <laughs> at least all of the original series that started way back in 1992 uh, by Todd McFarlane. So, as I said, we're up to issue 42 on the Daily Spawn. Uh, let me go ahead and share my screen. And we'll dive into the book. So, really cool Tony Daniel cover. It does seem as though Tony Daniel and a great couple are sort of switching off issues right now, uh, probably due to the uh, just amount of detail that they, they put in their art. So, as we turn the page, we can see the credits: story by Todd McFarlane. Tony Daniel does the pencils, Kevin Conrad on inks, Tom Orzakowski on letters, with Steve Olaf, Quinn Supply, and Oleoptics on the colors. We do get a little bit of a summary for spawn number 41 uh we saw last issue that curse was dissecting spawn spawn was able to break free thanks to his symbiotic costume and in response to that um jailbreak i guess you'd say by spawn uh curse said you know if you believe in something you should be willing to die for it and he, he blew up his his castle his fortress his stronghold whatever you want to call it uh, and it appeared as though spawn was was caught in the blast um we also saw uh that cygor was continuing his journey towards new york for an unknown reason and we did check in finally on um, jason Wynn and uh, the violator in his clown form so this one starts off and we're told that there's a uh a thing the thing is traveling at extraordinary speed red hot before it's gone a mile It's spinning, it's twisting, it's contorting, and its pulpy interior is protected by an outer shell. So basically, this is Spawn, as we see as it crash lands and then skids along the ground. Uh, We see from the smoking crater uh, arises Spawn. So basically, we saw last issue, his symbiotic costume, almost in a liquid type form, swallowing up all the different pieces of Al Simmons' body that had been dissected, trying to kind of put it together like a scarecrow. And so, you know, perhaps because spawns body wasn't assembled, I guess I'll say for, for lack of a better way to put it. Whoops. Didn't mean to stop sharing there. Sorry about that. Yeah. For, for uh, lack of a better way to put it, spawns body wasn't assembled. Perhaps that allowed that elasticity of the, uh, the costume to sort of protect it. And, We do see that uh, once he lands and has a chance to recover, he does get up, but he still doesn't look, he doesn't look healed. You know, it even says like a scarecrow without physical structure to bear its own weight, spawn rises, but it's really only because the costume compels him to do so. Basically, the costume is sort of acting as an exoskeleton right now um, and how that's going to work, how it's going to be able to draw energy from Al Simmons if his body is not uh, in good shape I guess that remains to be seen Meanwhile we saw last issue that twitch and Sam Burke and twitch had been fired from their job as New York police detectives so they're uh, that doesn't mean they're willing to give up the case they have against chief banks so they're going over all the evidence they have trying to figure out exactly what they need to find in order to exonerate themselves and make chief banks pay for what he's done. And they're sort of lamenting the fact that they don't they don't have concrete evidence. They don't have that smoking gun that will link banks to the, the things in the files. Right. It's all sort of circumstantial evidence at, at this point. We do also get uh, an appearance by Twitch's wife that <laughs> uh, Sam Burke is just beside himself about how uh, good looking, I guess, and how sexy twitch's wife is which is pretty funny uh in a lot of ways so meanwhile in west virginia where spawn crash landed after the explosion we see uh a little kid a young boy who's running through some woods trying to reach a hideout he talks about the fact that he has to do this every wednesday he goes and buys comics it's pretty obvious um and these bullies chase him and try to steal his comics any money he has left so he hides out. He tries not to uh, damage his books. Even back then in the nineties, he's aware that you know these are, these are collectibles. He wants to be sure he takes care of them. So when he gets to his hideout, he's uh, he's sort of attacked um, because Spawn chose that shack, this little hideout this boy uses as as his hideout, um, and the the uh, the costume doesn't know whether this kid's friend or foe. So. It kind of hoists him up and the kid's like don't don't hurt me i'll do anything you want uh and it, it, it's sort of fortuitous that this boy is the one that finds spawn he's got a lot of knowledge i love the way that McFarland writes a story in terms of hey here's a, a you know a comic reader and that must mean that he's intelligent right um and so he's talking to spawn and spawn saying yeah um I, I'm not really in control. It's the costume right now because my body's damaged or whatever. And it, it is interesting. There's so many uh, references in this book to like actual real entities and characters and whatnot. And I'm a little surprised that McFarlane was able to get away with it, honestly. Um, but anyway, the little boy's like, Oh, your, your costumes alive, just like venom. So again, you know, referencing a Marvel character. I, I'm a little surprised. Um, uh, and and he's like, oh, you, you know, you must be a superhero. And Spawn kind of begs off. I'm not, you know, necessarily superhero. But we see in the background there. I mean, that's clearly Hulk, Savage Dragon. Uh, looks to be some of the uh, characters. Like, who's that? Maybe Speedball um, and Wild Child. Maybe so. Anyway, he, but he's mentioning this boy's like, oh, young blood, Avengers, Fantastic Four, X Men. Clearly, he's got, uh, and we even see an, an X Force comic, and there's kind of a joke about Tony Daniels. Tony Daniels was drawing X-Force before he came on to Spawn. Um, and this boy, little boy even mentions it. Oh, X-Force used to be my favorite until Tony Daniels left, but that's still okay, I guess. So yeah, it's kind of funny. But anyway, through the course of this conversation, Spawn sort of learns about himself just because this boy is so knowledgeable about comics. And, you know, based on the fact that Spawn doesn't even really understand how his powers work and that kind of thing. So the little boy's asking him, you know, what are your powers? What are your moves? And he responds like, I don't, I don't really know. He's all, like, well, what, do you have a symbol? And this little boy, you know, he very much lives in a fantasy world because that's where he can be the hero and not be bullied. Like he, he is every day at school. Um, and he ha- has a uh, costume on under his shirt. He calls himself the terrorizer and he's got this stylized T and he he asks Spawn. He says, "What's your your stand for? It looks like an M." And he he, he meant, Spahn mentions that Malbolgia was the one that gave him his powers. He goes, "Oh, that, you know, maybe that's what it stands for." And Spawn's like, "No, it doesn't. It doesn't stand for anything. Um, it, it's just a symbol." And he says, "Okay, well, did th- this Malbolgia guy give powers to anyone else that you know of?" Spawn's thinking about the violator. He's like, "Yeah." He goes, "Well, does he have the same mark?" And we we see you see right there on the page that he that uh, the clown does he does have a similar mark and spawn's like oh my god it is an M so it's kind of funny I, I don't know if it actually is or isn't or some kind of in joke but it's just funny because this little boy figured it out and he's sort of in a way educating spawn on on who he is so uh, but he he does live somewhat of a of a sad life in terms of you know he's not happy being bullied all the time and uh, having his comic stolen and he just, he wants to be a hero and he wants to be noticed and he wants to be special. He wants to have friends and he wants to be strong and have powers, you know, and Spawn, you know, to Alan Simmons credit, does a, does a pretty good job here of explaining that being a hero is more than having muscles. You know, he says, it's about standing up for what's right, even when others disagree. And the kid's like, well, he's telling my dad. Spawn's like, no, I'm not trying to lecture you. Um, but you know, there's a lot of bad stuff in this world and it, it comes up all the time in different places that where you least expect. And you just need to find a way to stand up in, in your own way. And the kid's like, okay, you know, I can try that. Uh, then he asks about the next thing that he's most interested in other than comics, which is girls. <laughs> he has fun if he has a girlfriend. It's interesting. Spawn said, he says he does while well, thinking of Wanda. Like, yeah, she's not really your girlfriend, dude. She's married to somebody else, but I get it right he he's given up everything to come back for Wanda, so you know he probably thinks about her that way. Meanwhile, we do check in on Wanda as well as Grandma Blake. This is just sort of a reminder issue or a reminder scene in the issue, I should say, because, like i said we we had three or four issues where we went without seeing Wanda and Terry Fitzgerald. We know that the violator had charged Jason Wynn with tightening the noose, pushing the buttons, making these. Uh, People that Spawn cares about deeply think that they're in good shape in their lives and then pull the rug out from under them. So we're reminded again that there was this huge anonymous cash donation to the charity that Wanda Blake runs that was used to uh, start building an addition to the children's hospital. And we're also reminded that uh, that Grandma Blake was having some tax issues with the IRS. And those all got ironed out and her pension check even uh, increased in amount a little bit. So everything seems to be going well for them, but as Wanda's putting away the groceries that she bought for uh, for Grandma Blake, she starts coughing enough to where Grandma Blake's worried. And, and Wanda says, "Oh, I'm probably just coming down with something. It's you know probably all the stress of what Terry's been going through at work, and uh, you know what I've been dealing with with this whole spawn thing and whatnot." Uh, we do get a quick interlude with Sigor. We're told that he's for some reason drawn to New York. He doesn't know why. He just knows he has to get to the right place in New York because there's a secret there. And his brain or what's left of it tells him that he's got to feed and then he's got to be strong when he gets to wherever he needs to get, which is described as a jungle that's uh, massive and gray with shadows to hide many secrets. And we see him speak for the first time. He says, New York. So what exactly that means, who the gorilla is, the siren of the gorilla, we still don't know. but. Uh, I suppose we'll we'll find out through the the course of the series. Um, so meanwhile, Sam and Twitch have decided to sneak back into the precinct to try to find that concrete evidence that they need to tie uh, Chief banks to the circumstantial evidence that's in the file that Spawn gave them. Um, but they can't get into his office. It's locked. They don't even know where to look. and they run into another detective there, not exactly sure who this guy is if he's setting him up. seems a little coincidental, seems a little convenient, but this guy's talking about how he's about to get fired and he's apparently an enemy of chief banks and um, th- they're out to get him. And so he decides to turn over some keys that he had made at one point in his career that unlock this filing cabinet in the chief's office. And hit, and when Sam and Twitch ask, like, well, why are you helping us? And he says, uh, well, the people that chief banks hangs out with are, are pretty heavy hitters and they don't mess around and, Um, if, if you guys are here causing them problems, it can buy me time to disappear. So it makes sense what he says, but again, it, like the reason I'm suspicious about it is because it's a little ex deus machina. It's a little like, oh, they're completely trapped. McFarland's painted them into a corner. And then all of a sudden, oh, look, there's a door right behind them. And this guy's their, their way out. So it's a little convenient. Uh, And if you think that's convenient, the fact that inside that filing cabinet, bingo, Sam uh, Burke says, this they've got receipts from the courier service moving items from one place to another. All these financial documents tying chief banks to um, the politicians and and the web of uh, conspiracy that was uh, was in place to have uh, Senator Jennings' daughter killed by Billy Kincaid. So bad enough you do this thing, right? If you're chief banks, you leave a paper trail, like that just doesn't seem really smart, especially if you're a chief of police and you understand investigative techniques. But okay, let's say you're worried that at some point you're going to be the fall guy. So you keep so you keep a paper trail, you keep evidence. So if anybody ever turns on you, you can turn around and implicate them and burn the whole thing down. Maybe I'll buy that but you keep the papers in a police station like that's that's just a bridge too far like bad enough that you keep evidence that incriminates yourself but then you keep the evidence in a police station it that it, that's just no <laughs> that's just dumb right i don't think anybody would do that and chief banks hasn't ever come across as as dumb, you know, as, as like a, a blockhead because it to take somebody of very low intelligence to do that, to keep evidence that would implicate you in the conspiracy to, to murder a child, that you would keep that evidence in, in your own office, in a police station. It, it just, it defies logic. It doesn't make sense at all. So it's a little nitpick, uh, rather they would have, you know, found out he had a storage locker or or something else that just made more sense that 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 just didn't sit well with me. Uh, meanwhile, um, back to uh, the, the kid who likes to collect comics. He's uh, he's got to get home. It's late. He's uh, got to leave his his little clubhouse and head home. Um, but unbeknownst to him, the uh, the bullies that were waiting for him or or were Trying to catch him, um, have been waiting. They've been waiting, uh, all along. I don't know if they maybe know where his hideout is, um, but they've been waiting. And so, uh, as, and I, you know what? As I'm reading this right now, I'm trying to see does this little boy ever say what his name is? I don't, I'm flipping through trying to see, Um, because we know one of the little, one of the bullies is Tommy, Um, but I don't know if they ever say what his name is, which I find to be really interesting, even when, yeah, they just, they keep saying Tommy, they call him four eyes, they call him a runt, yeah, I don't think that they ever say what this little boy's name is, which I think is just really strange. I mean, we've seen, um, we saw in issue 25 that that happened once before in a Spawn comic where we had a, a main character. Um, oh, actually, here, here is. It, it, so, it's in the, um, it's in some of the exposition that his name is Pat. Um, Pat Shaughnessy is his name. So, okay, he is named. Anyway, so Pat goes to leave and unbeknownst to him, Tommy and his gang of bullies have been waiting all along or or maybe they're waiting outside his house because they know he's got to walk this way to come home and uh, they want their comics. They want their money. And so it doesn't take long before they attack Tommy, but Tommy, you know, or Pat rather um, the little boy who's bullied um, Pat, perhaps being inspired by his recent interactions with spawn and remembering some of the things spawn told him about needing to stand up for himself and stand up for what's right uh he, 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 for the first time ever, does stand up for himself and attempts to fight back. You know, he pulls on his mask. He says, I don't think so, you jerks. Uh, I'm tired of it. And the boys look, look terrified. <laughs> and so, uh, Pat's thinking, oh, this is great. You know, they see the look in my eye. They see that I'm standing up to them. And there's actually fear on their faces. And Pat says, who's going to be first? But actually, what they fear is Spawn. Spawn was worried about Pat followed him. He sees, you know, and that's what these kids are freaking out about. And Spawn, you know, not exactly hundred percent sure what Al Simmons was thinking, because again, he doesn't have full control over his body. And sure enough, you know, even though he was there following Pat and maybe just wanted to scare these kids, the costume sees these kids as, as enemies, right. As uh, people that need to be punished as bad guys and he just starts lashing out and again spawn doesn't even have uh, any control and and pat's yelling you're hurting them you're hurting them can't you see um and al simmons is like i i can't i can't stop and then we find out that al didn't even follow pat he goes he said so my costume followed you here on its own i can't i can't stop it i don't have any control over it so uh pat's yelling put him down put him down leave him alone and and you want to talk about standing up to somebody but, you know brave enough to stand up to these bullies by pat that uh, you know have been terrorizing him for god knows how long but he's standing up to this costume he knows is really powerful and gives the other boys gives tommy and the other boys a chance to to escape to run away so in a roundabout way the costume and i I'm not saying it did it on purpose it may really have just seen those boys as bad guys that needed to be punished but maybe it's smart enough to have made it look that way. And it wasn't ever really going to hurt the boys permanently, but set up a situation where Pat could be the hero, because that's exactly what happens here. Like all, all these boys now all of a sudden have respect for Pat because Pat saved them. Um, and then the next day at school, uh, the, the girl that he has a crush on, uh, Pam Williams comes up and introduces herself to him, even though, you know, he obviously knows who she is. Um, and anyway, this girl Pam Williams sits down and, and talks to him and says, "Ah, you know, I heard what you did yesterday, helping Tommy and his friends. You're a real hero. Would you like to go to the Sadie Hawkins dance with me?" Um, and it, it ends on a happy ending for Pat Shaughnessy. So, pretty fun story. Um, doesn't really advance the narrative forward much. We know that Spawn survived the explosion uh, at Curse's headquarters. We see that or are reminded that um, both Grandma Blake and Wanda have had some really good fortune lately. Wanda appears to be sick, and that good fortune seems like it could be a pressure point for Chief Banks. And we're shown that Sam and Twitch have found conclusive evidence to tie Chief Banks to the murder of Senator Jennings' daughter. So uh, and we didn't see Jason Wynn. We didn't see Violator. And we got this sort of feel good story about this kid, uh, Pat Shaughnessy, who loves comics, so um, it's interesting McFarlane doesn't really want to seem to give Al Simmons a chance to catch his breath um, it it you almost feel bad for Al Simmons because he just can't catch a break now now his body doesn't even work. his costume is kind of puppet stringing him around, making him do things he doesn't even necessarily want to do. Yes, it worked out in the end this time, but if Spawn has to go up against somebody like Curse or Saigor, or he's going to be in big trouble, at least until he can heal his body. So when that might happen, how much energy it might take, we'll have to wait and see. Uh, as far as the art goes, it's, it's pretty solid. I think Tony Daniel is kind of settling in to um, the aesthetic of Spawn really well, but I will say that it's not quite up to the level of detail that um, Capullo gives. There's something about Capullo's art on Spawn that it's just a little bit better than, uh, than Tony Daniels. I don't know if it's the amount of detail in the backgrounds or if it's the dynamic panel layouts that uh, are more reminiscent of McFarlane. It's not something I can quite put my um, put my finger on, but I will say this about Tony Daniels' art in this issue. He uses a thicker line weight this time, which is closer to the line weight that Capullo uses. So it does bring a, a consistency to the art that way, if you're you know, picking up these issues in trade. So uh, still a lot of interesting storylines going on. What's gonna happen with the Violator and Jason Wynn and Chief Banks? When is the rug gonna get pulled out from under Wanda and, uh, and Grandma Blake? We didn't see Terry Fitzgerald at all in this issue. With Sam and Twitch focusing on Chief Banks, Once he's taken off the table, will they switch their allegiance back to Spawn? We haven't had any of the heaven and hell supernatural stuff going on in a while. So, yeah, there's still a lot moving. Um, And uh, although I am really enjoying it, I do wonder about kind of the story structure that McFarland's given us here. You know, I've talked about this with more modern books where we're given these plot threads. And they go on and on and on and on, and nothing's ever resolved. Um, Now, these older 90s comics, they have plot threads that tend to go longer. You're not necessarily writing for the trade at this point in time in comics. Uh, So I don't mind having the longer plots. I, in fact, rather enjoy them. But at some point, you have to resolve them. You know, at some point, you got to resolve the Jason Wynn thing. At some point, you got to resolve the Wanda and Terry not knowing that it's Al Simmons. It can't just go on forever. You know, we're 42 issues in. That's nearly four years. So it's time for some of these storylines to start uh, wrapping up uh, in my mind. So anyway, we'll we'll have to wait and see how that uh, unfolds over the next couple of issues. So anyway, that's going to do it for this episode, everybody. Uh, Hope you enjoyed it. As always, we appreciate you joining us and we'll talk to you next time. You can find the Comic Source Podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Play, or whichever podcasting app you prefer. Please tell all your friends about us, subscribe, and rate us. The ratings really help with our visibility and our ability to reach new listeners, especially five-star reviews on Apple. Also be sure to visit us at lrmonline.com to join the conversation, access the show notes, and discover all our other great pop culture content. If you want to email us, the email address is thecomicsourceblog at gmail.com, or you can follow us on Twitter, twitter.com forward slash source. Do a search for The Comic Source on Facebook and Instagram to follow us on those social platforms. All three spots are great places to find out when we release new episodes as well as follow all our convention coverage. So once again, we want to thank everyone for listening, and we'll talk to you next time.